How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Hey, hi everybody. How are you guys doing? And I am Vuket Tran, your host for How Is My Financial Health Doc podcast. I have not spoken to you guys for a long, long time. I mean, I do have guests on my show, but、uh, I have not been alone on my show for a long, long time. I am back today with one of those mea culpa episodes, and I will be the one sharing with you my own personal mistake. And this is、uh, episode number two of my mistakes. And if you recall, the first episode where I shared my first mistake was episode number twenty-three. So the question is, how come it took me up to episode ninety-four to share with you my second financial mistake? I guess it took this long because I still work as a clinician, as an emergency doctor, family doctor, and also doing long-term care. But the other reason is because I've had so many wonderful guests on my show to talk about different aspects of personal finance for the healthcare professional. But the real reason, really, is because I am so embarrassed about this particular mistake, and this particular mistake, I've made it when I was very young. And when I say young, this is after my first born. So. Uh, my firstborn is now 13, so I would say maybe 12 to 13 years ago. This is when I made my biggest, I think, financial mistake at the time. I started this podcast with the voice of my son, and so he's my firstborn. And this mistake was made. Right after he was born. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about contributing to an RESP account. Becoming a first-time parent is very stressful, and I guess like every parent out there, I didn't know what to do.、Um, And especially when you're sleep deprived, you're not thinking really straight. And when everybody's telling you that you must、uh, invest for your child's future and invest for、uh, university or postgraduate studies, you say yes because that's what every good parent should do, and that's what I did. And so I contributed and opened up an RESP account. Unfortunately. Other than knowing that it's an RESP account, is a registered education savings plan account, I didn't know much about it, and so we, me and my spouse at the time,、uh, got into contact with someone who was selling an RESP, and this was an RESP through a foundation, which is a group RESP. Now, at the time, I didn't know the different types of RESP accounts. So the first person who came and talked to me about RESP happens to be someone who sold group RESPs. So I bought them. Unfortunately, it turns out to be a grave mistake. Now I'm not going to tell you which group RESP and which company I bought it from, but needless to say that I wasn't the only one who fell into this trap. Another colleague of mine that I was talking to said that he bought the same group RESP account. 
for his daughter. And we were going through a bunch of letters back and forth from this company because there has been some changes in the rules. And both myself and my colleague were quite frustrated at the rules and also at the new terms that we were forced upon. But there were many other reasons why this group RESP was a really bad one. And we realized both of us had made the same mistake. We were dealing with these changes maybe last year. So it would have been 12 years into this account. You can imagine that dealing with this problem 12 years later is no fun. But also when I had my second child, uh, I did not go back to this same company. I did a little bit more research, to be honest, not that much more, but a little bit more research. And so instead of going with a group RESP, I went to a bank and bought a family plan RESP, which was simpler, more flexible, more user-friendly, and also without all the fees and terms attached to a group RESP. But the nice thing about the family plan is that this plan was designated for my daughter, so my second child. But the nice thing about the family plan is that if my daughter chooses not to do post-secondary studies, this same account could be also used for my son, which was not the case with the group RESP because the group RSP was under my son's name. And if my son was not going to do postgraduate or university studies, I would have lost all that money, which was very unpleasant when I knew about that. And I only knew about that a year after I bought into the plan, which is 11 years ago. And so now imagine 11 years ago, I've learned of all these inflexibilities and now 11 years later, I learned there are, there are more new terms and more restrictions. You can imagine how unhappy I was, but also unhappy I was with myself for not understanding what RESPs were and how they function and how many types of RESP the market can offer. Had I known this way earlier with my firstborn, I would never have chosen a group RESP or at least if I chose a group RSP, I would have made sure that I truly understand all the terms and restrictions. So now that you know what mistake I've made, which is to buy into a group RESP, let's just review a little bit RESPs. Now I've spoken about this in the podcast about the RESP hack, which is episode number 56. Okay, then let's talk a little bit about the registered education savings plan. Who can open an RESP? Well, in fact, anyone, parents, grandparents, or other family members, and even friends can open an RESP for a child. RSPs can be opened by any one person or open jointly by spouses or even common law partners. They can even be opened by child care agencies. So while you can open a plan for a child, you can also name yourself or another adult as the beneficiary. Now, the important thing is selecting the right RESP. 
it is very important to choose the right type of RESP. Your financial institution can usually help you with that. You can open an RESP at a bank, at a credit union, a mutual fund company, an investment dealer, or even a group plan dealer, which is what I did, a huge mistake. So group plans are offered and administered by organization that offer group scholarship plans. So here are the three types of plans for RESPs that one can choose from. The first one is a family plan. So a family plan is ideal if you have more than one child. You can name one or more children to receive the savings when it is time to pay for their studies after high school. The children must be related to you either by blood or adoption. They may be your children, stepchildren, grandchildren, brothers, or even sisters. Under the Income Tax Act, a blood relationship is that of a parent and a child or that of a brother and sister. Nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, and cousins are not considered blood relatives. Also, you cannot be considered a blood relative of yourself. The advantage of a family plan is that earnings can be shared among the children, and a Canada Education's Savings Grant may be used by any beneficiary named under the RESP to a maximum of 7200 The additional Canada Education's Savings Grant and the Canada Learning Bond can be paid only if all the beneficiaries in the plans are siblings. So what that means is that in a family plan, if one child decides not to go to post-secondary post studies, the other children within that plan can use the amount that the child has not used. And so that money could be used for the other children should one or two decide not to use it for post-secondary studies, which is a little bit more flexible than in a group RESP plan. The second type of plan is what we call the individual non-family plan. This type of plan is ideal if you are not related to the child you are saving for. In this type of plan, only one beneficiary is named in the RESP and the beneficiary does not have to be related to you. You can open this type of RESP for yourself or another adult. However, the Canada Education Savings Grant and the Canada Learning Bond can be paid only to the eligible beneficiaries. The third type of RESP is the infamous group plan. So a group plan is for one child only and the child does not have to be related to you. A group plan, quote unquote, is ideal if you can make regular payments throughout the term of the RESP. In this type of plan, your savings are combined with those of other people. How much each child gets depend on how much money is in the group account and on the number of students of the same age who are in the school that year. As you can see, the money in the account for your child or the money available really depends on several factors that you as a parent do not have much control over. Whereas in the family plan and in the individual non-family plan, you as a parent has full control 
of the account and of the amount sitting inside that account, which provides much, much more security than a group plan. These plans are provided by group plan dealers who usually invest the money in quote-unquote low-risk investments. Each group plan is different and has its own rules. So be really, really careful to understand what these rules and terms are because they could be quite inflexible and these rules may not be to your liking. Unfortunately, once you've signed on to these group plans, if you try to get out, the penalties are severe and one can lose a lot of money, which is why more recently, these group plans have been in the media and not for a very good reason. It is touted that group plans are good options if you prefer to have someone decide on how to invest the money for you and you are fairly certain the child you are saving for will continue his or her education after high school. Now, I know that a lot of my audience are people who like to de to do DIY, so do-it-yourself investment. So if you are that type of person or you're that type of investor, then this is not a good plan for you. And also, how do I know if my son and daughter would like to continue after high school? I don't know that when they're born or when they're one-year-old. So these are really, really strong assumptions that may not pan out. And if my children decide not to go to post-secondary studies, then what happens to that money? And there are a lot of terms and restrictions uh, put upon that, which are not in the parents' favor. So before you contribute to a group plan, make sure you ask your plan dealers for all the details and that you fully understand the details and the restrictions. And that was my mistake. I did not understand the details. I did not understand the terms, nor did I understand the restrictions. And as a brand new parent at the time, I really did not look into it. And that was really my mistake and a very embarrassing mistake. Unfortunately, I am not the only one who made this mistake. As I mentioned, another colleague of mine bought into the same group plan uh, without knowing. We were not discussing this when we had our children. And there are many, many articles about group plans, which I will share one with you. So the one that I'm going to share with you is on wealthawesome.com, which was posted in 2022 this year. So as you can see, this is an ongoing issue with group plans. I'm not going to share with you the name of that company, but it is in fact a group RESP. So what it says here by the author, Christopher Liu, CFA. So saving for college is a monumental task with tuition prices rising and forecasted to keep increasing. As you can understand, uh, the prices of tuition in university have been going up on average 7% year after year after year. And so when it was relatively cheap to go to university during my time, it is no longer that cheap. University has become so expensive that it can be prohibitive 
for most people unless we save up for it. So many are turning to registered education plans to help offset some of those costs. But what happens when you try to withdraw your money and it's not there, which is the problem of group RESPs? So some people are asking, are group RESPs a scam or is there something else? Is it legit? That's the question that is being asked of many group RESPs. In this article that talks about the unnamed group RSP, it wasn't necessarily that the group RSP was a scam, but there were numerous customers filing complaints from 2014 through 2018. With a complicated sales fee structure and confusing rules, many RESP customers invested with the company without fully understanding what they were getting into. Various compliance reviews throughout the years found deficiencies with this particular group RESP and dealer. After several Provincial Securities Commission's review of the company, the company paid over 50000 in penalties and was ordered to hire independent outside consultants to monitor the compliance with security regulations. So what happened to this company? Well, in 2018, another group RSP purchased this particular company. But I can tell you that the woes and tribulations of this company is not over. And there are still lots of unfinished business and ramifications from this particular organization. So what is the problem here? Group RESPs differ from individual plans offered by banks and credit union in that they pull all contributions from individual investors according to the beneficiary's birth year. At maturity, a beneficiary will receive the contribution plus any government grants or learning bonds. However, the amount received depends on how much was contributed and the number of planned dropouts before maturity. The biggest disadvantage of Group RSP is the sales fee structure. The companies charge upfront fees that are deductible from the contribution, limiting the amount invested, meaning the fees are taken off the top and the amount that are invested are less. And so therefore, the compounded growth in that, in that account is also reduced. Banks and credit unions do not charge upfront sales fees on their RESPs. So more of your money is actually working for you in those bank and credit union, individual or family plans. If the investor does not make regular contributions or leaves before the plan matures, they can potentially lose all of their earnings and government grants. If the investor stops contributing, everything is lost. The point of the group RSP is to keep investors making contributions up until the time the beneficiary is old enough to enroll in a post-secondary institution of higher learning. At that time, the plan matures and the beneficiary will receive all the benefits of the group plan. However, 
some investors either because they aren't aware or unable stop making contributions to the plan. And if that happens, any money you get back will be less because of the fees. In addition, it's possible you won't receive your earnings either as they will go back into the group pool. So now imagine that you've contributed for about 10, 12 years and one or two years you either forgot or you're unaware or some financial catastrophe happens and you're no longer able to contribute well, you've lost all the amounts that you've done and contributed from the previous 11, 12 years. That seems crazy. Now, what about the fees? So the fees vary depending on which company you choose. However, according to the prospectus of the company that was uh, in trouble recently and the subject of this particular article, the charges were $100 per unit, as you can understand. That is extremely expensive. The sales fees get deducted immediately from your contribution. Therefore, all of your money goes towards the sales charge until half of it is paid. After that, your contribution gets split 50-50. Half goes towards paying off the sales fee and the other half gets invested. So for every $100, only $50 get invested. The other $50 is gone to pay for the executives of that company. There aren't the only fees associated with the account. In addition to the sales fee, there are management fees, maintenance fees, transaction fees, and also withdrawal fees. So the bottom line is that if one considers investing within a group RESP, one needs to do some serious homework and read the fine print, which is what I did not do, and many of my colleagues. So now you know. So just to finish the story about this group RESP that was all over the news, what were the complaints filed against this company? Well, the complaints from the customers initiated from them losing all or part of the contributions to the group RESP. The investigation by the Toronto Star revealed that many customers were unaware of the complex rules. Those who lost their savings and filed complaints did not know that stopping contributions would cause them to default. Others said the same about closing their accounts. Customers accused this group of not disclosing the risk and hiring aggressive sales reps who did not divulge the fees and penalties associated with the account. The reps earned their commission based on how much a customer contributes during the initial sign-up. So definitely there's a commission-based incentive there and lots of conflict of interest. The higher the contribution, the more commission they earn. So investors claim that this led the sales rep to aggressively promote their products without properly explaining the outcomes to the customer. And I was one of them who fell for that trap. In conclusion, according to the STARS investigation, the review by the Ontario Securities Commission found that that company's sales reps were trained to employ high pressure and aggressive tactics to make a sale. In addition, instead of trying to contact the owners of any unclaimed contribution, the company transferred the payments into the group pool. Among other findings, 
the Ontario Securities Commission found that the organization failed to provide supervision over their employees to ensure they remain in compliance. They also found that the reps tried to target certain population, namely low to middle class and immigrant families. As a result of these findings, that company was fined only 50000 and they had to hire an independent consultant to perform annual reviews. Well, bottom line, while this group, RESP, is not a scam, it's full of complex rules that are anything but straightforward. And that is where the issue lies, is that when one buys into group RSP, one really need to understand the rules, the terms, and the restrictions. Otherwise, it could feel very much like a scam. Many people have lost large sums of money simply because they didn't understand. And I probably was one of them. Uh, not probably, I was one of them. I did not understand. Now, I'm not sure I lost a lot of money, but it definitely did not grow the way I would like it to grow for my son's university fund. And so now what? To compensate, I work extra shifts, extra hours, and extra long just to make up for that lost opportunity and lost growth. You can understand that this type of mistake, financial mistake, is also very costly from a personal life perspective as I don't get to spend as much time with my kids and my family, which is the entire goal of this RESP saving anyways. And so to this day, I feel extremely sad and embarrassed that I did not look into this with proper eyes. I very much regret it so now, but I think this is a lesson that I'm happy to share with you, the audience, especially you brand new parents looking to save for your children's future. And if you are doing an RESP, please listen to episode number 56, where you can also learn how to hack the RESP contribution to make sure that you really optimize all your savings. So in addition to avoiding the mistakes that myself and my colleague have made, here are five more common mistakes made by regular parents like you and I when it comes to RESP accounts. Avoid these common mistakes. Mistake number one, setting it up and forgetting about it. After you have invested in it, make sure that you check it on a regular basis to make sure that you are on the right path to achieving your goals. Mistake number two, not taking advantage of free money. So this is discussed in episode number 56 when we talk about RESP hacks. That episode was about how to take advantage of the government grants, but also enhancing what you can already put in and optimize to the full extent the RESP. But from a government grants perspective, you can receive up to $500 a year in federal government grants when you contribute the 2,500 annual maximum. The federal government matches 20% of the first 2,500 contributed each year for eligible children to a lifetime limit of 7,200. 
Mistake number three, not treating it like an investment account. Invest in growth-oriented investments and asset when the child is young. If you have 15 or 18 year window before you're going to need to draw the money out. But as your child enters high school, you want to be sure that its investment uh, has less fluctuations and going to be more stable. So looking at the time horizon of your assets. Mistake number four, it is starting too late. So the general rule for saving is that the earlier you start, the better to take advantage and leverage the power of compounding and time. But it's never too late. It's better be late than not do it at all. So the optimal time to start would be when you can afford it or when extended family can help you. But you won't get the grants if you don't start by the time the child is 15 years old. And finally, mistake number five, thinking that all the money can only be used for education. So there are a lot of different ways of using the RESP. It could be used for education out of the country or even apprenticeship. They can be used for any reasonable expense. But again, if you are inside a group RESP, there are multiple rules and restrictions. So make sure that you understand what those restrictions are. Inside a individual or even family plan with a bank or credit union or financial institution that is not part of a group RESP, the rules are a little bit more laxed and more flexible. So there you have it, my friends. That is my second major financial mistake that I have made as a staff and as a physician. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and that you will avoid the mistakes that I've made. But if you're in the same boat as I am and have already made it, don't worry, be happy. Just learn that it is a mistake and that you've learned from it. And hopefully you will not make further financial mistakes. Keep on listening to this podcast and your risk of making mistakes will decline over time. If you have enjoyed this episode, please share this show and podcast with your friends, colleagues, neighbors, co-workers, and even your pets. I'm sure they will enjoy it too. So thank you very much for listening and thank you for sharing. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice. <laughs>